Welcome to Healthcare Hot Buttons. In today's episode, we will discuss how digital mental health can address the challenge of generating savings so that these interventions can be reimbursed by payers. Digital mental health is a sizzling hot area that attracts a large amount of investment. In 2021, venture capital poured $5 billion into digital mental health startups, accounting for one-sixth of the $30 billion investment in digital health in general. In the first half of 2022, the pace slowed down, but still, these companies hauled in $1.3 billion, larger than any other non-mental health digital health investments. Right now, there are so many mental health apps available out there, it was estimated that as of 2021, there were about 10,000 to 20,000 mental health apps. They cover a wide variety of services, ranging from mindfulness, meditation, and therapy to prescription drugs. So the first question, what exactly is digital mental health? It includes mental health services provided via computers, tablets, smartphones, virtual reality equipment, and gaming devices. These digital interventions may be supported by unlicensed personnel or licensed clinicians. Roughly speaking, digital mental health interventions can be classified into three buckets, consumer-driven apps, therapeutic apps, and clinician-led digital interventions. Consumer-driven apps are typically used by consumers on their own, and these apps do not claim to diagnose, prevent, or treat mental health conditions, and do not require the approval of the Food and Drug Administration, or FDA. These apps may offer psychoeducation, motivational guidance, or coping skills. Therapeutic apps are developed to treat mental health conditions and require FDA pre-market approval. So far, only a few apps have been approved and they can be used to treat attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder or ADHD, nightmare disorder, substance abuse, and insomnia. Clinician-led digital interventions are telemental health services, that is telepsychiatry or teletherapy, led and supervised by licensed clinicians. The next question, are digital mental health interventions effective? There is consistent evidence on the usability, acceptance, safety, and effectiveness of digital mental health interventions. Well-designed mental health apps based on clinical guidelines and developed with input from both users and clinicians improve common mental health conditions such as anxiety and depression. Digital mental health interventions are particularly effective and generate high user satisfaction when licensed clinicians are involved. Is digital mental health reimbursed by payers? The answer is it depends. Most mental health apps are consumer-driven apps, but they are typically not reimbursed by payers. Although some self-insured employers or integrated systems cover them. But payers do cover clinician-led digital interventions but may not reimburse therapeutic apps. In fact, During the pandemic, most payers waived cost-sharing for clinician-led digital interventions. Now, the question is, why is it so challenging for digital mental health to generate savings for payers? In this regard, digital mental health has an Achilles heel. It is very convenient, but its convenience 
makes people come out of the woodwork and increases service volume. This is due to a number of reasons. First, there is a potential demand for mental health services that has not been materialized. According to the National Institute of Health, among the 53 million U.S. adults with at least one diagnosable mental illness in 2020, only about half received professional mental health services. Among the 14.2 million adults with a serious mental health illness, two-thirds received formal care. Nationally, this may be because of a shortage of licensed clinicians. Based on the Department of Health and Human Services, the existing clinicians can serve less than one-third of the U.S. population. And second, there are various potential substitutes for professional mental health services, especially for non-severe mental conditions. For example, social support plays an important and an interesting role in seeking formal care. When mental health conditions are mild or moderate, family, friends, co-workers, churches, or even bartenders can help mitigate or resolve an individual's mental health symptoms, such as anxiety or depression. That is, informal care can substitute for formal care. As a result, individuals with social support are less likely to see formal care. However, when symptoms are severe, the greater social support, the more likely an individual will seek professional mental health services. This is because support givers would encourage an individual to seek formal treatment. They may even pressure the individual to do so when cognitive or emotional impairment is so severe that the affected individual is not able to make treatment decisions. In addition to social support, there are other substitutes for formal care for certain mental conditions, for example, yoga, meditation, massage, among others. Third, even in the absence of digital interventions, mental health services utilization is much more sensitive to the price or cost of treatment than physical health services. In economic terms, mental health services have a larger elasticity of demand. According to the existing academic research, the elasticity of demand for outpatient mental health services typically is two to three times that of typical outpatient medical or physical health services. And finally, digital mental health offers convenience and facilitates access to care. Both consumer-driven mental health apps and clinician-led digital interventions make access easier. Formal care provided by clinicians is literally available at your fingertips. Also, the use of digital interventions can reduce stigma, a major barrier to receiving mental health services. As a result of the several factors we just discussed, when digital mental health offers convenience and it reduces the cost of receiving treatment, more people may seek formal care instead of relying on informal care or receiving no care at all. Among those who already receive formal care, the frequency and duration of such care may also increase. Of course, the jury is still out as there is a paucity of research on whether implementing digital mental health affects the total cost of care. The limited results available are inconclusive. A 2011 study conducted by the Veteran Affairs compared telepsychiatry to usual care among depression patients. Patients in the telepsychiatry group spend more resources on depression treatment as well as physical health specialty care resulting in a significantly higher total outpatient cost. But another VA study published in 2018 reached a different conclusion about telepsychiatry versus in-person care 
it actually generated an annual savings of $2,100 per patient. Given that mental health services are sensitive to convenience and cost of receiving treatment, chances are high that digital mental health will lead to a higher total cost of care. Payers may hesitate to adopt digital mental health interventions without restrictions before innovators can prove with rigor that digital interventions can not only improve patient outcomes but also reduce total health care costs. Apparently, increased service utilization resulting from digital mental health may partially offset the savings generated from improved outcomes and efficiency. From a payer's perspective, the ideal situation is to improve patient outcomes and lower health care costs. One key benefit of clinician-led digital interventions is that they generate savings from reduced patient travel, but unfortunately these savings do not accrue to payers. Due to increased volume, unless the cost per service session decreases sufficiently to offset the increased volume, the total spending will increase, which payers typically want to avoid. But is there a way out of this predicament? The answer is yes but innovators need to find the right payment arrangement and improve efficiency. First, innovators can leverage value-based contracting and become a solution to payers. If we put ourselves in the shoes of a payer, reimbursing digital interventions on a fee-for-service basis involves a considerable risk of overspending because of the uncertainty in volume increases. One way to solve this is to lower the charge per service session to the extent that a payer will not perceive an excess risk of overspending. For example, innovators can set a price for using mental health apps and another for clinician-led digital interventions. This approach, however, will give rise to a number of issues. For example, payers will still consider fees for mental health apps as additional spending. Innovators will have to figure out how low a unit price they will be able to charge for clinician-led digital interventions, and clinicians are unlikely to lower their prices. Therefore, a better arrangement is to offer a solution to payers, promise to deliver a specific level of outcome, and bear the risk of overutilization. This will allow innovators to leverage technology, improve efficiency, and even build a competitive advantage. Second, innovators should leverage technology and facilitate clinicians to practice at their top of license to improve efficiency. Optimal results were observed in research studies when mental health apps are used under the guidance of clinicians, the so-called blended approach. To best utilize resources, clinicians should practice at their top of licenses. For example, doctor-level therapists can delegate tasks to master's level ones, unlicensed personnel, or mental health apps, and supervise as appropriate. This will allow a doctoral level therapist to maximize the size of her patient panel. In a patient risk stratification and treatment assignment system, it's needed to determine when a patient can achieve desired outcome improvements. It should be able to answer the question, should we use mental health apps only? clinician-led digital interventions only, or a combination of both. Of course, mental health apps can be used to screen mental illnesses, monitor patient symptoms, and collect timely data as well. Equipped with the risk stratification system, innovators may focus on a specific subpopulation with mental illnesses, among whom savings are more likely to occur. Kaiser Permanente's integration of consumer-driven apps into its healthcare delivery system is a case in point. 
the organization started the integration in 2018. Clinicians can now refer patients to mental health apps via its electronic health record system and provide guided support. They include in their system various mental health apps such as Calm, Headspace, Will, My Strength, Silver Cloud, and Thrive, among others. These are used to help patients reduce stress and anxiety, improve sleep, and conduct cognitive behavioral therapy. Here are the takeaways. Digital mental health has attracted a large amount of investment capital in the last several years, but payers are hesitating to reimburse such technologies, especially consumer-driven apps. This is likely due to a fear of potential overutilization. For innovators, the way out of this predicament is to provide a solution to payers. They can leverage technology, facilitate clinicians to practice at the top of their license, and utilize value-based contracting to address the challenge. Nonetheless, rigorous research is urgently needed to confirm if a comprehensive digital mental health solution improves outcomes and generates savings in the meantime. Okay, that's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Please let me know the topics of your interest. I will see you next time.